0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Geeks Crossing. I am your host of the day, Matt, and today marks the one year anniversary of the release date of Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. This is the 8th eighth, yeah, eighth generation of main series Pokemon adventure games with a new region and starters and legendaries and a whole big adventure and all that great stuff. And arguably one of the most controversial set of games. Um, A lot of people are not happy with the current generation. I say current, but as of the release of the Crown Tundra, we're kind of on our way out of the Galar region. So, I thought it would be nice, a year after its release, to reflect a bit. Maybe uh, ask some questions. Is it really that bad? Is Pokemon Sword and Shield maybe overhated because... You know, there were a lot of controversies around it, and maybe it was just it didn't sit right with a lot of people, and now that we're a year out, maybe it's a little better if we think about it, or do those criticisms stand for the most part, and is this game really pretty bad? We're going to dive right into all of that good stuff, but first, a shout out to our sponsor, Anchor. If you want to record your own podcast, there's no better app to go to than Anchor. Download it on the App Store. And not only can you make an account and record podcasts, but you can actually listen to other podcasts on there, other people who may have gotten inspired. They're a great source. They're free. And they help you, as they've helped us at Geeks Crossing, reach all sorts of platforms we never thought possible, like Spotify, Apple, and Google. So all around amazing podcast uh, app. I really can't advise a better podcast app than Anchor. So, absolutely recommend that. And that's our sponsor for the day. So, I am torn. Do I want to do... (laughs) This is the kind of thing that most people plan beforehand. But I have in front of me a list of pros and a list of cons for Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I think what we're going to do is I'm going to go through our pros and then go through our cons. Okay, we're not going to go back and forth because that might be a little confusing. So, here's the pros that I love about Pokemon Sword and Shield. For one, the immersion. I am a very imaginative, cre- uh, I like to say I'm a creative person. And I grew up, of course, watching Ash Ketchum on his own Pokemon adventure with his friends and his Pokemon and traveling to different regions and getting all new Pokemon and training them up and hanging out with them. And Sword and Shield is really, really great with immersion. Um, Player customization is in full force here. There's not really a game where you can customize your player character as much and as in-depth as you can in Pokemon Sword and Shield. So many hairstyles. It takes what Pokemon Sun and Moon did and just runs with it. So, really great. In addition, Pokemon Camp is probably my favorite feature in the new game, and that's saying something. I don't know if I could say that. That's that's a big claim, but it's an amazing feature. Pretty much, if you haven't played Pokemon Sword and Shield, but you've played older games in Pokemon X and Y and Sun and Moon, that's Gen Six and Gen Seven. We're now in Gen Eight again. You could do this thing called Pokemon and Me, or Pokemon Care, or whatever it was called in Sun and Moon. I don't think it was called the Me anymore. Where you pretty much get your Pokemon in front of you. He's, like, looking at you, waving. Uh, You can pet your Pokemon, feed it little berries and stuff. And it's nice. It's cute. It's like you're playing with your Pokemon. But what Pokemon Sword and Shield does is they actually have a tent in the wild area, which I'll talk about in a second. You can set up a tent anywhere you want. Actually, not only in the wild area. Anywhere you want in the whole game. You can set up a tent, let your Pokemon all out of their Pokeballs, that you can watch them run around, play, race each other, like, play fight with each other, they can come up to you and play with toys, they can, you can cook, party with them, and eat as a, it is, oh my gosh, you want to say Pokemon anime, that's like the most Pokemon anime thing I've ever heard, all the times in the anime, they would stop for the night, and all the Pokemon would be running around, and Brock would be cooking something by the fire, you know, And it just feels so much like that. It feels like you are a character out on your own Pokemon journey through the Galar region. And you're just taking a a pit stop and you're letting all your dudes out. And they're all playing and eating and it's great. And it just feels like that TV magic, right? I love being immersed in a Pokemon game. And that is so good. Uh, The Pokemon camp experience makes that perfect. And the curry experience by extension. Really cool idea. Very, very immersive. So I'm a huge fan of that. And more immersion comes from Raid Battles. Raid Battles by themselves, uh, I like. Raid Battles by themselves, I-, I do like. I'll talk to Gigantamax and Dynamax in a minute. I'm really not sure whether I consider it a pro or a con. On one hand, it is extremely gimmicky and kind of really stupid. Like, behold, your Pokemon, but now he's big for three turns. Cool, right? Like, I'm sorry, no, it's not cool. You could have just added some more Mega Evolutions or stuff. You don't have to just keep adding gimmicks. But again, I, I don't think Pokemon Sword and Shield is extremely gimmicky, so the reason why I'm not saying that as a con is because Gigantamaxing and Dynamaxing is stupid and silly, but a lot of times it is pretty fun. Like, getting to battle each other as giants is, is pretty funny, admittedly. And the raid battles and the raid dens is awesome, getting to battle that with your friends or with uh, whatever computers or whatever. Um, my brothers and I had a lot of fun with that one and the members of Geeks Crossing have of course done a lot of raids together (laughs) in the past. It just is awesome. It's, it's a cool, unique way to catch Pokemon. And now with the Crown Tundra, it's a cool and unique way to catch legendary Pokemon. So really, really cool. I I like how they've done that because I talked about in my Crown Tundra episode with Nick and Eric I do not like legendary Pokemon at all. I think after Gen 3, I just stopped caring about most of them. And then by Gen 5, I really don't care about any of them. They add like 10 or to 12 every new generation, it feels like. And I just don't like any of their designs. But I'll give Sword and Shield this. The raid battles to catch them, really creative idea. Really creative idea. That's where they'd be hanging out, right? In big caves and you're going on an adventure and you need your friends to help you. That's cool. I don't like the Ultra Wormhole slash Mysterious Island from uh, Oras way to get legendaries, which is just, whoa, you landed in a random area and there's some Legendary from three games ago. Go catch it. I think that's just so stupid. I, again, I am biased because I hate Legendary Pokemon, but whatever. And part of that is because I, I like the immersive tactics of the game. Like I said, I like feeling like I'm a character in the world. And it's tough to feel like you're a character battling in Pokemon when you're like, All right, go! God of time! Go! God of truth and ideals! Like, it's just, it takes the fun right out of it. If you just start battling and catching the, you can only catch the god of space so many times before it's like, Okay, how many gods of space are there? I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm a little literal-minded. But the raid battles is what I'm trying to say here. The raid battles in Pokemon Sword and Shield are a lot of fun, especially in the Crown Tundra. And the wild area, you know, it could have been fleshed out a little bit, but it's a really unique idea. I like the idea of Pokemon, you know, just appearing in the wild, massive natural region for Pokemon to kind of just scurry around. When you're camping out here, it really feels like you're just on in the middle of your adventure, just stopping and camping. Although, granted, you can really do that on any of the routes in the region so yeah that's all immersion really cool stuff player customization is great glad that they got the like sun and moon really got the ball rolling with that and i'm glad they carried it on pokemon camp really awesome then the curries curry decks great awesome raid battles super fun gigantamaxing silly but fun and dynamaxing too although gigantamaxing is kind of like you know they at least get a new form and the wild area is okay i will say the pokemon are pretty creative uh, I probably am going to get a lot of sla- uh, hate for that one. But you'd be surprised. Like, I remember when Applin came out. Everyone was like, are you kidding me? It's the apple Pokemon. Like, that's the stupidest thing. It's literally just an apple with eyeballs. And then people were like, oh, okay, it's like a worm in an apple. Um, I guess that like, makes a little more sense. But if you go a step further, it's not only a worm in an apple. It is a worm. Like, a not a W-O-R-M. A W-Y-R-M. And that is a kind of dragon, according to European legend. A worm, with a Y, not an O, is a dragon with no legs, only arms. And wouldn't you know it, that's what happens to be Uh, what Flapple becomes. Or what F- Applin becomes when he evolves into Flapple. He's a worm in an apple, like the ca- classic trend. But he's not a worm with an O, he's a worm with a Y. Like Things like that. It's creative. It's cool. Like, you know, really Saxon, Viking... Uh, Berserker too based on the vikings that conquered england all those like thousands of years ago like just little things like that really cool i really like the inspiration for these pokemon and there's some really nice ones i'm trying to think what my favorite gallery pokemon are i love Berserker, perhaps controversially and i think hairy little bearded meows is pretty cool too well i said the applin line i really like Copperaja, i really love oh alchemy i think alchemy is very very cute <laughs> And then there's, like, I don't really love, but I really respect, like, I could see why people love them, like, uh, what's his name, like, Dracloak, Goliapede's pretty cool, you know, like, it's a a decent amount, there's some stinkers in there, yeah, you know, I, I agree that Trudel has way too big of a head for his own good, but he evolves into something awesome, so that doesn't matter, Greedunt is, well, you know, I can't say anything about Greedunt that hasn't been said a million times before. Yeah, you know, Mr. Rhyme probably didn't need Mr. Rhyme. But anyway, yeah, creative Pokemon. uh, And that leads me to the regional variants. I'm so glad that Game Freak is still doing regional variants. Like, that is so awesome that they did not limit those to sun and moon. I love that they're back because now that they're back, that probably means they're going to stay with us for the near future, I hope. And regional evolutions is an interesting way to move past just regional variants because now you got things that can evolve into different things. Uh, like Surfetched, one of my favorite Pokemon this whole generation, along with Galarian Farfetch. I love that they made Farfetch like this warrior ninja, and then they turn him into a gladiator. Like it's so great, it's so cool. You know, Berserker, I already said I really like. I like Galarian Mr. Mime actually. I like Mr. Mime as a Pokemon, and I think his Galarian form is cool. Don't really think they needed to evolve him again because Mr. Mime is scary and bad. What is it? Reneregis is cool. Darumaka was my favorite fire type Pokemon. So now that he has an ice type variant, that's awesome. I love it. There's like a snowman Pokemon. That's really cool. Anyway, I'm going on. But basically what I'm trying to say is really creative Pokemon, really creative use of regional variants, in my opinion. And cutting off the creativity of the Pokemon, we also have the legendary problem. As I said, I do not like the millions of new legendaries. They shortened us down to a sweet little three legendaries. How great is that? I'm sorry. That is, I'm so grateful. Now, I don't really like them. Like, you know, they're dogs. I, I Again, I don't like legendary Pokemon. But holy cow. Only three. You got the two box legendaries and the evil legendary. Uh, who looks okay? They all look okay. I'm so grateful. That I don't have to deal with, like, three legendary trios that I don't have to care about. And I have to walk around the whole region hunting down. Like, I'm glad I don't have to care about that. I'm glad I don't have to get six mythical Pokemon that are all stupid and bland and forgettable. I'm just so happy. Actually, the new mythical they announced, the big monkey, I kind of think he's kind of cool, actually. But I digress. And so, uh, basically, my two big pros for Sword and Shield are the immersion, amazing. And the creativity with the Pokemon, really awesome. And then there's some other little things. Like, I think the region itself is just really cool. Like, the mix of different climates and areas. Very awesome use of all of England's different things. And uh, I think the gym challenge is really, really cool. I love that opening scene where you enter the gym challenge and all the gym leaders come out and they're all in their uniforms. And it's like a big... I love what they've done. They've made it into this huge sporting event almost. I think that is so cool really good idea too because if you think about it these would be like big sporting events i went over this in my uh creating my own pokemon region episode i just really like that they did that i love it because it would be like a sporting event and they're kind of embracing that tying it into england's love of soccer or as it's known over there football with this idea of big stadium-wide pokemon battles where people chant and cheer and go nuts over their favorite gym leader it's so cool, and I love that opening cutscene. It's like, you'd think it's going to be so cool. The gym leaders themselves have very unique personalities, like Opal. I, I love Opal. Very funny. You know, the first three are okay. Milo, Nessa, and Kabu. Um, and I lo- that dragon dude who like always goes up against Leon. I, I'm blanking on his name, like Riken or something. I don't remember. Oh, wait, actually. It, I'm right on the page. Raihan. I was close. Piers, the first dark type gym leader, is Pretty cool, I like him, and the other ones are okay too, nothing like, oh I really think this gym leader is boring, but you know, great gym leaders, great gym challenge idea, but all good things must come to an end, and we must get to the cons. The gym leaders are really cool, but that leads us into arguably one of the biggest flaws of Sword and Shield, which is a boring, messy story. The gym leaders are cool, but they are underutilized. They maybe have a few lines of dialogue, depending on which gym leader it is. Piers shows up a lot. Opal has a few lines with, with, uh, bead. And Rayhan, I think, has just about as many lines. But other than that, it's just like a bunch of randos. It's one of the most linear games to date, <laughs> Pokemon Sword and Shield. Which, nobody likes a linear Pokemon story, I don't think. Uh, I mean, if you disagree, please, you have every right. I just think, um... People wanna go out and adventure and like Gen 1 and Gen 2 where you can kinda of do gym leaders in whatever order you want. People really thought that was gonna be like in this game. After that opening cutscene where where Leon or Chairman Rose announces the championship, like, okay, the gym challenge has started. People are like, Oh great, I can go wherever I want. No, you can't. It's stupid. But whatever, that's just how it has to be. Interestingly, I also thought the characters were very underutilized. A lot of people say they're boring. Like, I've heard a dime a dozen complaints that Hop is, like, the stupidest character ever, and he's just a how ripoff. But they could have done a lot more with him, and they hinted at it. I mentioned this again in my other video, video, uh, my other audio, my other episode of Geeks Crossing. Again, I, I said, Hop is cool. He's kind of, like, this loser but he wants to—he wants to be like his big brother, who's the champion. But every time you fight him, you, of course you beat him, because that's since Pokemon first started. Every time you fight your rival, you win. But Hop is the first guy where that starts to weigh on him after a while. It's like, oh, you beat me. Oh my gosh, you beat me again. Wow, I, I must be pretty bad. Oh my gosh, wow, you beat me a third time. I kind of suck, don't I? And then, like, he just starts getting really sad. And then he starts to have to learn from that. And it's really cool. It's unique. A unique way to take a rival, honestly. Again, people are getting mad at him because, like, oh my gosh, he's a friendly rival. We hate friendly rivals. Sorry, I just feel like people in the Pokemon community do that a lot. But I do admire, like I said, I do admire them throwing a few rivals in there because they kind of appease the angry rival and the happy rival crowd. You got a little bit of both. You got Hop is the happy rival, and then you have Bead is the mean one, and Marnie's kind of this in between where you don't really know what Marnie's deal is. But unfortunately, none of those three rivals actually have coherent plots. They're not explored. Marnie's just random like goth girl who probably has a lot of fan art by now if I had to guess who just has the evil team that worships her and we're going to get to the evil team in a minute don't worry <laughs> I'm sure you were expecting that she shows up like four times has a more pico that like follows her around and then that's it like that's kind of her whole plot bead is actually chairman rose's adopted son or something mean kind of sneaky then randomly, like, just starts to start, like, attacking, like, an ancient relic, like, randomly, just, spoiler alert, I guess, but he just is like, all right, Cop Raja, destroy this ancient relic for no reason, and then B, like, gets disowned by Chairman Rose, and then he just becomes the fairy gym leader, and that's it, like, it's so weird, like, that's not a plot, and Hop probably has the best attempt, but then after a while, and especially in the DLC, he just shows up, like, oh, hi, mate, it's me, Hop. I'm gonna help you out now, and, like, that's it, and, and, and he doesn't do anything else, he's just there to, to tell jokes. Unexplored, and honestly, there's other characters who do get explored who I think is really stupid, um, like, Sonya, like, I like Sonya, okay character, I can't tell you why she's in the game, like, I don't understand why, I mean, you have the old lady professor, right, I don't even remember her name, because she's there for five minutes, and then she's like, I'm actually retiring, and now my gra- uh, granddaughter Sonia's going to take over. Like, why did that have to happen? Couldn't that have just been at the very beginning? Uh, Sonia, like, oh, I'm the professor. I- my grandma just retired. Like, I don't understand why you've, you've like, had to fake us out with a, a, a scientist who retires. Like, I don't know. Then She's irrelevant. And Leon. Like, I feel like you see Leon every five minutes, and he never has anything to say. It's just, like... Oh no, I hope I can find my way back to the Pokemon League. I'm so bad with directions. Blah, blah, blah. Pokemon fighting is about sportsmanship and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh my gosh, I have nothing to work with here. You were so boring. Give me some of the more interesting characters. And then those characters get shafted. Like we have random, I, I don't know. Like we have a lot of Leon and we have a lot of Sonya and maybe a fair amount of Hop. And I feel like really, I don't know. Maybe it's just, I just don't feel like they built them up enough to merit it, but whatever. And the gym leaders, underutilized, I think they could have really been kind of cool. Like, Opal's been the gym leader for, like, half a century, probably more than that. And we know nothing about, it. like, oh, maybe she has memories of of old gym leader. Granted, they did add that in the Crown Tundra. You can do the Pokemon League again, I think, and now all the gym leaders will talk to each other, and they'll have unique lines. So I haven't actually played that yet. Maybe Opal says some fun stuff during that. I don't know. That's another pro, actually. Uh, Add that to the pro. That little thing at the end of Crown Tundra where you can now go back and and tag team with any old gym leader you want. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, but still underutilized in the gym leader department for such interesting gym leaders. And oh my goodness, the evil teams are painfully pathetic. (laughs) You have Team Yell, which is just like trying desperately to be Team Skull and failing miserably. It's just Marnie's fans... That walk around and occasionally bump into you. I think you literally run into them like four times max throughout the game. And then you have the other team. I don't even remember. It's like, spoiler alert, when Chairman Rose becomes the evil guy. His workers, are an evil team technically. And I'll be honest, I didn't even realize. I, I think the one time you have to fight them is when you're climbing Rose Tower and they're in the elevator with you. And they barely feel like a team at all. I didn't even realize they were a team after until after I finished the game. And I was like, oh, I guess that did count as a team. So stupid. It's not like the Aether Foundation in Sun and Sunny Moon, where it's like, okay, this is clearly a team. It's organized. You're gonna battle them quite a few times. You don't get that from the, what is it like Cosmo Co or something, Micro or something. Anyway, bad evil teams. There's not a lot of challenge. Little challenge. It's a lot of hand holding. Hop will lead you around the whole region, pretty much. There's no difficulty settings, which, jeez, I just wish they added that. They had it at the end of sun and moon, or not, uh, black and white, I think. You beat the game and you unlock hard mode. You should just have that as an option at the beginning. It would save, save so much issue that people have nowadays. Oh, little kids might say, oh, the games are too hard. And older kids might say, oh, these games are too easy. Just have a difficulty setting. Maybe make easy mode. Have a few less Pokemon on the gym leaders teams. Maybe a little lower level. Hard mode can have an extra Pokemon or an extra evolution. Again, I talked about this in the Crown Tundra video, but it just feels like such an easy, easy fix to a problem. And now we get to the big con after the story. The graphics, animation, and the dex cut. So for those of you who somehow do not know, maybe you just don't follow Pokemon Sword and Shield. When Pokemon Sword and Shield was announced a few months later, they announced that not every Pokemon would be in it. They said, all right, listen, we have to animate new models so we can only animate so many. And there's like 800 Pokemon now. And some people were really mad at that. A lot of people were just like, oh, okay, like that stinks. But in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, there's almost a thousand Pokemon. I guess we can't have them all forever. I get it, sort of. But I think those people were also expecting like, okay, it stinks, but I get it. And they're going to use this time to make the Pokemon they put in look really good. They didn't, spoiler alert if you somehow don't know by now the graphics look no better than the 3ds on the pokemon models for most intents and purposes it's just lazy it's laziness and they've tried to patch it up by adding a bunch of more pokemon in the dlc which i respect but really you should have just put it in at the beginning it kind of just feels like they did it because they got such a bad blowback and the graphics and animation are not stellar You look at Zelda Breath of the Wild, that made like a fraction of Pokemon Sword and Shield's money. You're telling me you don't have enough money up there at Game Freak to shovel it into Pokemon games and make the graphics actually look really nice? I don't know, it just feels like such an easy, maybe that's not as easy as a difficulty setting. Seems like you could take the time to do that if you have that much, uh, that many resources. Hire some more people if you still have to get it out in a year, you know, I don't know. But yeah, animation and graphics are slacking. They're nice. They're definitely nice. You could tell a lot of work and care went into them, but you could tell that a lot more could have gone into it. You could tell they kind of tried, but they could have tried a lot harder. So that's my pros and my cons. Here are my final thoughts. The gym challenge is really cool. Really cool. I like how they stylized it as a sporting event, but the gym leaders, which are cool in their own right, kind of get ignored. There are characters that have potential, but are barely utilized, like Hop, Marnie, Bede, and the gym leaders, and the ones that do get a lot of screen time are painfully boring and uninteresting. I mostly think of Sonya and Leon in this category. Story's a dime a dozen, villain brings out Apocalypse for nonsensical reason (laughs) at the end. Though twist villainy is a welcome change, neither evil team is compelling whatsoever. One is a rowdy bunch of fans that fades from relevance 75% of the way through the story, And the other, like I said, Chairman's Rose's company, I did not even realize they were a team until after I beat the game. With customization, Pokemon Camp, and the wild area, this is easily one of the most immersive Pokemon games to date, which I really love. Uh, And I do love many of the new Pokemon and regional variants. That being said, the animation and graphics aren't quite as bad as people make them out to be, but they're still very, very lackluster. A franchise as big as Pokemon could have easily given the time and effort to make this look good. Um, and it just looks okay. It's not, it's not horrible, alright? This is not like you're playing a Flash game, but it, it could have been a lot better for something like Pokemon. What about a delay? Could a delay have improved the game? That's what I, I ask. Because, you'll know, this year we got the Crown Tundra and the Isle of Armor, which I didn't, I glossed over, because they're just DLC. They're okay, you know, stories, cute little stories, new little characters popping up, helping you out. New Pokemon, cool new environments, cool new raid battles. All in all, okay, you know, fine as far as post-game goes, if you want to count that as post-game. But would a delay have saved the game? Or improved it? It's it's unclear whether or not it would have helped the poor elements of the story. We don't know if the underutilization of most major characters, the pathetic evil teams, the linear plot, we don't know if that stuff was a result of them rushing the story or if that was going to be it altogether because they were just like, "Ah, eh, no one plays Pokémon games for the story. We could do whatever." I'm I hope I I don't like to be cynical, so I'm going to say I think the story's rushed and not I think the story didn't matter to them because if it's rushed, then if they delayed it a year, the story might have been good. The characters might have been better written. Might have done some more stuff. I don't think they would have added difficulty settings if they delayed the game because they've never shown any interest in doing that. But the animation and graphics could have drastically improved, as it is likely more time would have been given, and it would have given developers more time to program in every Pokemon, and maybe higher definition environments. So it seems like they could have taken more time to work on it, instead of pumping it out for Christmas 2019. Seemingly, the only thing, and this is what's weird to me, the only thing Game Freak really had plans for in 2020 was DLC. So why couldn't they have just included elements of the DLC as post-game content in the base game, and waited until November 2020 instead of November 2019 to release Sword and Shield. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So, so maybe last year they could have said, we have a new Pokemon game coming in November 2020. And then in that year and a half, two years time, they could have programmed in the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra. They could have programmed in all the Pokemon, maybe improve the graphics, hopefully improve the story. Because again, this year has kind of been weird for Pokemon. Before 2020, Pokemon used to do... A remake, or a game, or a sequel, pretty much every year. You know, black and white, then black and white 2. X and Y, and then Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Um, Sun and Moon, and then Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And then we even got Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, which are technically Kanto remakes. But that's really not what we have. We have DLC, and it's weird. So I feel like that could have just been stuffed into the base game, and you would take two years to work on it instead of one. Maybe that would have helped. But again, this is probably just business, I'm not a businessman, I don't run a multi-billion dollar IP like Pokemon, but from what I understand about business, you're supposed to ensure the consumers like what they're getting, and with Pokemon Sword and Shield, by and large, many are not liking what they're getting. But, on the other hand, the games sold tremendously. They're the fourth best-selling Pokemon games of all time, though that may be due to the popularity of the Switch more than anything. But in spite of this status, these games are also some of the lowest-rated Pokemon games from a critical standpoint. Granted, critical score is not everything. I've seen movies and played games that critics adored, and I absolutely hated. I, I don't, I you know, I disagree with judging things just based on what critics say. I, but I do think that there's some quality control that could have gone into Pokemon Sword and Shield. At the end of the day, so a final summation: I really love the direction they're going with more immersive games. I think that they still got it when it comes to making cool Pokemon. I disagree with the people who say that they're all lame because they're new. There's some stinkers, but there's always some stinkers. And I really like the direction they're going with the, the gym challenge, making it an actual big event that is like, attracts celebrities and things like that. I think that's cool. But I think the story's a mess. Characters are ignored or they're oversaturated, like Leon. I'm sorry, Leon. Like you're, He's a good guy, but he's just so painfully boring. I think the animation... The graphics really kind of suck. Not horribly, but the Switch can do better. The Switch can handle better, and Pokemon deserves better. And There's just not that much challenge. Again, that kind of goes into what the story is. Yeah, I mean, all in all, my final rating, as I reflect on Pokemon Sword and Shield after a year, is it's a mixed bag. It's not amazing, but it could have used a little work. I don't know where I would rank it in terms of generations. Is it the worst generation? I mean, I didn't like X and Y very much. They were okay. Sword and Shield was also okay. So maybe they're down there with X and Y. I don't think we've ever gotten a series, uh, a serious game that's actually actually horrible. I mean, I don't know, but this story, man, comes pretty close. It's saved by immersion, though, and, and, and the Pokemon that are in, like, the creatures themselves are still carrying. They're still carrying the franchise along. I would say Sun and Moon are probably better than this, honestly. X and Y might even be better than... So maybe these are the worst. So what we can only hope, you know, next year we've probably got the Cinema remix coming if the previous patterns are to be believed. If not, because it won't be a new generation next year. So the, it probably has to be that. That or Let's Go games that are Johto-based. Uh, shout out to Eric in his first ever solo episode of Geeks Crossing. He talks about what games we might get next year. We don't have any confirmation yet as of the time of me recording this. So you should go give that a listen and see. What comes next? But I will say that what has just come, Sword and Shield, mixed bag. Pokemon took a lot of steps in the right direction in terms of a more immersive game experience and some cool new critters and some awesome regional variants. Keeping that stuff going is awesome. I like that they're redefining the gym challenge after two games in a row where we didn't see a gym challenge, which was Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. That's nice. It's cool. But I'm sorry story of Pokemon just keeps getting worse and worse, it seems. The stories and the plots and characters are getting dumbed down, and I'm sorry, the graphics could have been so much more. So I know I've repeated myself a lot, but that's what I'm leaving you with today. What did you think of Pokemon Sword and Shield? Did you like it? Did you play the DLC yet? Do you plan on buying it if you haven't already? And what was your favorite Pokemon or gym leader in Pokemon Sword and Shield? Join our Discord and follow us on Instagram at GeeksCrossing.